1: Welcome to the Cynical Podcast, a weekly discussion of current affairs in China, produced in partnership with SubChina. SubChina produces a marvelously useful free email newsletter that lets you stay on top of the essential news from China in just a few minutes a day. Or you can download SupChina's new and improved smartphone app or visit our website at subchina.com. It's a feast of business, political and cultural news about a nation that is reshaping the world. While you're there. Check out our new business news podcast, the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, for a weekly roundup of top stories from Caixin, China's authoritative source for business and financial news. Hosted uh,
2: by Kaiser Guo, I Yeah, Yeah, say.
1: I should. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and that guy, of course, was Jeremy Goldkorn, editor-in-chief of SubChina, who pundits have called the mischief makers mischief maker. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, people are Jeremy.
2: Hello, people. How y'all doing? <laughs> yeah, and I, of course,
1: am Kaiser Guo. I am coming to you. We are coming to you from Georgetown University in our nation's capital, Meijing, uh, and and, um, the other day, actually, I was at the, uh, Brown China Summit in Providence. I had the great pleasure of sharing a panel, uh, about media in China, China with, uh, with Jane Jiajie Tang, Tang Jiajie, who is the White House correspondent for Xinlang, sina.com.cn. Uh, what she had to say was so interesting that immediately I thought, you know, we have to have her on our show. And, here she is. Chiajie, great to see you again. And welcome to Seneca. C- <laughs> 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 Hi,
0: thanks for having me. And this is Jane. Hi, everyone.
1: This is this is something we've wanted to, to know for a long time, right? How does Chinese media cover the damn White
2: House, right? Yeah, and now we have the opportunity to ask. But before we get into your your current job, I'm curious how does a Taiwanese person end up working from mainland media organization. Maybe you could tell us a bit about your background and how you got into this job.
0: Yeah, people always say like I work for enemies, right? Uh, Working for the enemy. Yeah. um, so I was, I, I grew up in Taiwan, Taichung, actually, and I went to, um, Taiwan University. And at that time, it was, um, Ma Ying-jeo was the president. And, uh, you know, he was promoting the cross-strait relations. So there's a lot of st- exchange program between, um, students. And I got the opportunity to intern in, um, one of China, Chinese magazine called Cai Jin at that time right. under Hu Shuli. Um, and then there was the time when Shi Li, she left Tai Jing to uh, start her own uh, company, Taishin. And then I left with her. And Along uh, with everybody
1: else on the editorial staff. That's much, true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know, i that's the first time I was majoring in accounting and sociology when I was in school. I didn't really know. Accounting
2: and sociology.
0: I know. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> that's kind of multiple personality disorder what, right there. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Like,
0: you need to dress differently when you go to a different department, right. almost. <laughs> um, then I just found the newsroom fascinating, like, and the, the journalists I work with there, like, make me, you know, just excited. And then the way they cover Chinese news, and then they, they ask me if I want to be the correspondent for them in Taiwan. So I started in Beijing, and then I went to Taiwan. And in 2012, somehow they sent me here to New York to cover the election for,
1: um. Obama second Obama. term, yeah. Yeah, re-election.
0: Right. And then I end up here Um two years ago. Sina kind of lured me in to work for them in D.C.
1: So you were actually covering the White House for Caixin before you went to... Yes,
0: but not that much because Caixin is more, you know, economic or finance focused. So I cover more about World Bank, IMF, or IPO of Chinese market.
1: Okay, so you didn't actually have a White House uh, accreditation for... I mean, because now your your, your beat is is the the Oval Office, right? You have to sit in on all the Sean Spicer press conferences and stuff like
2: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So have you ever been to a press conference in Beijing? No, never. Oh, okay. So I, oh, I was going to ask you: Does Sean Spicer <laughs> remind you in any way of a foreign Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson?
0: In the beginning of Sean Spicer's briefing, a lot of people talk about that, like how similar it is. Like reporters are not a, a allowed to ask questions and they are being <laughs> like shouted at, you know. Like, but I don't know. I've never been to the uh, press conference in, that's in China. That's bad that you don't.
1: Have- <laughs> so, but but what is it like in the White House briefing room? I mean, you you you've have you gotten to? Uh, so you how many how many? No, it's a hundred days in today. Yeah. Is actually hundred as we're recording. It's the hundredth day of the Trump. Ninety-nine presidency. today, isn't it? It's, I think today is one hundred. I think today is one hundred. Oh, today is one hundred. Right. Yeah. Little cute, ominous music now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jazzy, uh, tell, tell us about. Uh, uh, so, you you have. Been in the White House on, on many, 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 many occasions now.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, when, uh, during Obama, I will start from during Obama administration. I actually go to the White House sometimes, but not that often because, you know, there's news everywhere. Um, there's think tank, there's Congress, there's State Department has briefing every day. So if I need anything, I can easily just go to another event or talk to expert. But after Trump took office, you know, there's this anxiety and uncertainty in D.C. that people really doesn't know what's going on. Right. And, um, you know, there's hearing going on, there's protests going on every week, every day. So I was talking to my editor, where can we get news? What is newsworthy? Then that was the White House briefing room. That's where the news came from, you know. So in the first month, I went to the briefing every single day. And for foreign reporters, it's compared to Obama, it's was actually harder because we need to submit our information 48 hours before, um, the briefing. And, um, we need to.
1: For every briefing?
0: Every briefing. Oh my there, God. <laughs> it was, I, I always describe this experience like crossing the border of Trump's America, you know, because there was <laughs> a fence at that time in front of White House. So we need to pass the security check. And then for foreign reporter, we need escort. So you need to wait maybe another hour for the White House staff to come out. And at that time, they have no clue what to do. And sometimes they call them again and again and again and wait for them to escort you to the briefing room. And in the briefing room, that's another dynamic. There are American reporter. Big news outlet reporter, smaller outlet reporter, conservative outlet reporter, and foreign reporter. Where we can only, you know, stand at the aisle and try to like squeeze in and raise your hand and hopefully Trump Spicer will see
1: you. <laughs> you said it was like *Zhen Huan Zhuan*.
0: Yes, if you are familiar with that *Hou uh, Kong Huan Zhuan*, you know there was that night when the emperor will like sign牌子, right? right? Which empresses he's going to stay with that night? And <laughs> I always feel like that, like everyone was trying to. to Team up or being friendly or being rude. And it's just a weird dynamic there. Like, just everyone.
2: Just hoping that you you You'll will get be the concubine on. that will, yes. The Emperor will call. Yes. And on. while
0: mm. they kind of doesn't really love the speaker but you need to try to please him you know that <laughs> weird kind of thing and also Sean has changed the whole um rule in the briefing room usually you know during Obama's term they will call from the big outlet like CNN okay CNN AP and but now he just started from calling Randomly calling reporter Conservative news outlet Got most questioned Most of the time Yeah
1: So um, I guess what our listeners Are probably most interested in Is uh, What are your readers Curious to hear about I mean because you You're you're reporting your Are you the only mainland Chinese news outlet who's regularly in the briefing room or are there others in there? As well? No,
0: there is actually, um, you know, um, Shanghai media has one reporter. Uh huh. Um, and CCTV sometimes they send reporter there okay. only when big issues happen. What
1: about, what about like the, the China Daily or any of these? They, they don't
0: they don't really go there that often. Or hua, uh, Xinhua. Sometimes, okay, okay. only okay. sometimes, not by daily basis. Interesting, interesting. But, um, for that, that's a good question. What Chinese reader really, really are interested in, I think that's the reason why more and more Chinese media are, are having, are sending correspondent here to America. Because, first of all, there's demand of international news from China about like people want to know what's happening in the world and what it's going to have the impact in China. And second of all is like, um, the international news in Beijing used to be only from Western narrative, you know, like translated from CNN, Bloomberg. And that's not what, maybe not what Chinese reader are really interested. About, so let me just give you examples. Yeah. For example, like two days ago, uh, all the American media are just talking about the tax reform right. that Trump is uh, implement. But Chinese reader doesn't really care about that. No, no, but at that time, they might care more about the NAFTA. Uh, Trump right. is withdrawing mm. from NAFTA, and what is it going to happen with the trade system? With the um, maybe next trade war is with China, or why did Trump pick? Canada and Mexico as his first enemies. Easier to pick on. (laughs) (laughs) And his neighbor. (laughs) That's what bullies do. Yeah. (laughs) Pick on Canadians.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Plus, he's he's insanely jealous, you know, because Trudeau is such a handsome guy. Yeah. Yeah. I was there when
0: when Trudeau was visiting um, um, and they had a press briefing together. It was weird because I was there when Trudeau was visiting the first time with Obama. And you can just see how the interaction between these two presidents with Trudeau it's different
1: right it must have been very warm and genial yeah
0: a lot of hugging and a lot of joke about sports well with with trump you can almost feel like they're like totally different people
2: yeah i would imagine they don't have much language in common so um Aside from what Chinese readers are actually interested in, what about censors? Because obviously, you know, Sina, like any Chinese website or news organization, has to obey the rules of of the, the Beijing emperor. Um, uh, what gets chopped from your writing about uh, the, the United States and Trump in particular?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's the question I get a lot about. Like, what can't you write? Um, so... You know, I actually grow up, you know, from my great, I, I grow up in Taiwan and I grow up in this, I don't really have this idea of government censor what you can write, what you cannot write. So I am very sensitive to this. I feel like whenever people will point at me and say, you can't do it, you can't write about it. I'm like, why? Um, so I think I'm fortunate a lot enough that I work The both Chinese media I've worked in, Taishin and Xinlang, my editor, are very relatively liberal, and they didn't really control what I can or cannot write. They just let me do what I want to do. But, you know, there's always the last part. They can decide whether to publish or not. And of course, there are issues I know that you really shouldn't touch on for Tiananmen Square or Taiwan Independence, but most of the time... I just write whatever I think the Chinese reader will be interested in.
1: Right. Well, I mean, the whole censorship aspect of it enters in, though, especially when covering this presidency, because they are really, really being careful about controlling the whole narrative on Trump and especially on anything touching on U.S.-China relations. Uh, I mean, relative—that's I mean, is that, that's the impression that we get, of course. Is, is that something that you feel—because you've been writing about—you covered the other presidency before, you've covered a lot of other topics— is the, uh, the sort of hand of censorship much heavier now with with the, the whole Trump presidency?
0: That that's a very interesting question. I I kind of feel like the so the for the I've been covering the campaign trail since 2015 when Hillary announced her her her, her, she's hand r- her, her yeah and um, you can feel almost feel Chinese government is allowing people to talk about Trump to see. What Trump is creating this as a shit show in America (laughs) and also using it as a propaganda of how democracy might not work. How, you know, you see this Chinese state run media compare him as Mussolini or even Hitler or, and you can tell that there's a lot of, I always see Weibo is a, it's one thing that you can see on Weibo that what Chinese people are talking about. Uh-huh. And you can also see what Chinese government are allowing people to talk exactly. about.
2: Yeah.
0: And when they're making a lot of video and shows about Trump... I just very skeptical. I just feel like, oh, so Chinese government are allowing them to do this. They are creating this image because of Because he
1: was making democracy look bad. Right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. However, you know, like recently after Trump took office, I, I think it's calmed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um I think they realize first of all I think they didn't even Expect Trump would be elected.
1: Yeah, no one did.
0: <laughs> so when I was in Beijing... Trump in, didn't expect Trump I was to be elected. I don't think so either. When I was in Beijing in December, there is also an anxiety of what is going on in B.C., what is going on with Trump, and even from the school, from the government, uh, from the government, the外交部. So now I think they're more carefully controlling what Trump's message might distort US-China relation or um, this atmosphere between the two countries.
1: Right, right. That's why they're so careful to control narrative.
2: Yeah, I, I certainly in the state me- <clears throat> media, in the central state media, you see a very, very restrained tone uh, I agree. about Trump.
0: Even when the talk, remember the talk between um, Trump and uh, Tsai ing in Taiwan. Mm. And instead of criticizing Trump, they criticized this is Tsai ing this is Taiwan's 小动作. Yeah. Right. right.
1: Yeah. That was what Wang Yi said right away. Huh? Yeah. Right. yeah, Very interesting. Let, let's talk about, I mean, I, I remember in your in your very fascinating talk at Brown, you said that your day has to start at 5 a.m. Why is that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably 6, 5 something. Because, you know, I, I, I think that's what all the journalists do. Do now they set Trump's tweet as alert. As an alarm <laughs> alarm. Every time you know, Twitter has this 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 function that you can just have got the notification when someone tweet. And so my morning start was Trump's tweet for sure. And like anything. He tweets less recently. Yeah. yeah. Not that much.
1: Yeah, I've noticed but that. That's really that's kind of too bad. I mean the, it was such a it was so funny to watch. That. Sad. <laughs> yeah. Capital. Sad. Capital S A D, yeah. Very sad. <laughs> it is too bad. But so, what's what's the rest of your typical day like? I mean, when do you actually get over to the White House? I mean, because the, the briefings aren't until the afternoon, typically, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, my day started around five or six when Trump tweeted, and then you know I start to browse the, the the Twitter, the internet, the news, and then on you know I will write down this um, question that I might want to ask, and then around 10 you know briefing doesn't start around 2 or 3 or uh, 1 or 2 in the afternoon but I will leave my place at 10 and I will practice uh those questions on my way there hi Sean Jane from Sina News this is my question you know and then um the first part is I need to pass the fence right um, right. Outside Entry R- Trump's
1: America, right? Yes.
0: And that's another entry Trump's America again. And, um, you know, this whole process until one or two after Sean Spicer um, has this briefing.
1: But you, you get in there like in the morning and then you get to hang out with the other journalists. A lot of the other journalists are there, right?
0: Yes. That is that actually... That must be
1: really interesting. That
0: is very, very interesting.
1: Because, I mean, so I'm sure a lot of the other journalists will be interested in what a Chinese journalist... How a Chinese journalist sees all of this. I mean.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I found more and more, um, American, um, journalists are more interested in us now. Like, how right, do you right, think? Right, yeah. How did China see us? How do your audience see? Yeah.
1: So what kinds of questions are you getting? And what do you, what do you, what are you saying in response? I mean, i I guess we're asking you that very same question. How did the Chinese see us? How do you, what do you think of all of this? Right? Um,
0: you know, at the beginning, I think, Trump is very, very popular among, if you see on Weibo or on sign up platform, how people come in and talk about him. He's actually very, very popular. And I think the, the, the core issue is he's very, just very fun to watch. For, for Chinese audience, they are not. Uh, involving in this whole it will affect my life, they're just watching a show and so
1: he's popular like a reality TV as exactly show exactly is
0: right. exactly. And you know, he's very well known for his show Apprentice and you know, all his real estate in 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 New York City. and of course, his beautiful daughter, Ivanka Trump and uh, and she fit into this category of white, rich, beautiful. Bai Fu (laughs) Mei. Bai (laughs) Fu (laughs) Mei.
2: Very Bai, very Fu. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And her daughters speak Chinese. How amazing is that? Yeah. Yeah um
2: but aside from this i mean because that kind of interest is is a very shallow really i mean we're looking at what you earlier called a shit show i mean it's 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 a comedy it's a farce where uh that is very entertaining if it's not your own future involved but is is there are you seeing an interest in um you know a real discussion of of you know for example what does it mean for a democracy that this clown can get elected um do you see your readers interested uh, in how this impacts democracy or... yeah sort of taking a more not philosophical approach but a, a thoughtful approach to what Trump means for American for the world or is it just you know the watching this shit show, this <laughs> shit show? Mm.
1: the dumpster fire
0: of course yeah there there is the interest you know On Twitter, people like to laugh at stuff and shallow stuff, and of course that that is sometimes worrying to me because you're oversimplify things like we're losing job, China's fault. You're we're closing factory, China's fault. It's like it's creating this bad dynamic between the two country, Um, and I do think people should know more about what Trumpism means to the society and why. That's why when I was doing my my reporting, I did a lot of you know, a longer piece about to explain to Chinese people, why are American angry? Where are these people? Why are the younger generation? they that rather give up Hillary and let Trump win because they're just angry that and they were willing to support Bernie Sanders no matter what, you
1: know? I've like, still not forgiven those people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember one one interview with, with this Bernie supporter. He's like, what kind of campaign was that that because we cannot we need to uh beat Trump, so we need to vote for Hillary. And he was so mad of how Bernie was being mistreated during this campaign. And I found a lot of Bernie supporters are like that.
1: You, you're, you're the guy, I remember, uh, who actually had a Bernie tattoo, right? Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: That that was one of the... <laughs> that went viral
1: in China. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so that was during the DNC in Philadelphia. After I covered the Cleveland, um, the RNC, I went. we went to Philadelphia. And... Um, You know, all the Western media, our media are focusing on, oh, it's Hillary time, it's Obama time, and Obama supporting Hillary. And I remember there was a rainy night, and I hop on in the Uber pool, and two men was late. And a little bit high, you can tell. And because uh, they're so, Bernie supporters. So typical <laughs> yeah. with Bernie t shirt. And I'm like, oh my God, so typical. And, and this hipster beard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, nice shirt, man. Uh, and then he just raises his arm and, like, how about this tattoo? And then he has this tattoo on his arm.
1: Wow.
0: And uh, and guess what? He works in Whole Food.
1: Oh, Jesus <laughs> and, Christ. And this guy's such a cliche. He's, I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> millennial working whole food and Big beard,
2: uh, smells of weed yeah. <laughs> travel all the around here <laughs> from
0: Vermont or something from, from Oklahoma uh, to Oklahoma, protest yeah. uh, during the convention so we end up doing uh, I was like okay instead of you know covering Hillary's speech why not we just follow in a day what are these people doing here during the convention and uh, that's a big commitment even having a tattoo on his arm
1: So they like the reality TV aspects of it, but they're also interested in the sort of House of Cards aspect of it. Aren't they also? I mean, kind of the the palace intrigue. Palace intrigues.
0: Yes, yes. House of Cards, in the beginning of how we cover the election, we actually use a lot of House of Cards reference (laughs) to explain to Chinese audience how it works and how it's like House of Cards but somehow it's become more and more <laughs> dramatic than House of Cards right. we don't even need that reference anymore
1: uh, so I mean are they interested in sort of who's up and who's down the power struggles between like you know Kushner and Cohn versus Bannon and like Peter Navarro
0: yes Peter, Peter Navarro was um, a more interesting character for a Chinese reader because he's, he's documentary right. and he's raw of of um, um, monitoring the whole trade policy for Trump.
1: Have you tried to get an interview with a guy like that? I mean, that would be interesting. I
0: did an interview with Peter Navarro. Oh my god! Wow! Yeah, wow. Well, when... what was that like?
1: Tell tell us about that. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to hear about that. I I gotta I, find that interview too in and
0: It's actually not published. Oh <laughs> a lot.
1: Oh, oh wow wow! Yeah. But so, no, but tell us what he said. I mean,
2: <laughs> can, can can we talk about that? I mean, that, that that's can, an answer to the censorship question.
0: Um, yeah I think it's okay yeah, okay. okay great. So. so I did an interview with Peter Navarro um, actually back just right after Trump got nominated uh-huh. and um, you know some I, I I know his name from some other the reporter that's before anyone know he was the real man behind uh-huh. all of this and and um, I, I remember I got his number and, uh, in the beginning, I almost thought like, what if it's a plank? He's not really a guy. Cause everyone was trying to say, I'm Trump's guy. I'm right, the one right. behind all this. And, but during the interview, I was talking to him about, uh, raising the, the, the import tax. It, um, how real, how, how, realistic how realistic it yeah. is it? And then the whole answer he was giving me was exactly like what Trump was talking. Wow. And then I was like, "Okay, he he's the one bef- behind this—the
1: forty-seven percent across-the-board tariffs." Yes, on all and then
0: days. he started talking about young lady, your country is a bully. Your country is bullying us; is taking job out of America. And I'm, you like,
1: say, I'm actually Taiwanese.
0: <laughs> that is actually my response. Right, 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 right. And then, but you know, the funny part is after his answer and I I remember looking at my producer and my cameraman and we're like <laughs> okay this is not going out like this this interview this is a really good interview but I don't think
2: but it's not gonna happen in China no <laughs> just too no. Cr- too too
0: yes too and then yeah. oh. he <clears throat> he touched on a lot about what's happening in Hong Kong and his recent trip to Taiwan and, um, how he think, um, what China is doing in, to Hong Kong is a bad example for Taiwan and a lot of democracy thing. And that's the point I was like, okay, I'll just talk to him about random stuff because it's not going to go out. I just want to know how he is. And so I asked him about how he communicate with Trump. Hmm. How he, act- he said he never really met Trump before that. Wow. Like, meet in person before um, July. So I was like, so what's the process of communicating? He's like, email or phone. Wow. And that is kind of fascinating because I read another article saying... Trump actually found Peter Navarro, um, his son-in-law, Farm, Kushner yeah. by Googling about China trade.
1: Oh, And this name came up. So Kushner I, knows how to use Google. Exactly. <laughs> but now, now Kushner seems to be one of his... Kushner seems to be his foe now in the White House, though.
0: Right, right. So, but... You know when when I when Trump announced Navarro to be his guy, and I try to text him and call him again, but I did again didn't respond. And, yeah, uh, God, yeah,
1: that's fascinating. Um, who who are the some of the other interviews that you've managed to do in the inner circle? Uh, Corey the, the,
0: Lewinsky.
1: Oh yeah, Corey Lewinsky. That's yeah,
0: um, yeah. He. I also met him in the the RNC actually, okay. and. Um, he at that time he was already Lewin, fired. What's his name? I'm
1: sorry, Lewin, 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 Lewandowski? Lewandowski? Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lewandowski. That's right. I was thinking. Monica Lewinsky, so. uh, Not Lewinsky. <laughs> no, no, right, yeah. right, right, right. Corey Lewandowski, yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, Um but um I mean the interview with him is not that. I feel like it's very shallow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not that. I. It's the hard part for foreign reporter. I feel because you're not important enough for the campaign to take you seriously. Uh, okay. You don't have really have a vote. And um, that's what I was struggle when I was trying to reach out to Hillary campaign too.
2: They just don't care because it's not going to...
0: Yeah, they will ask me, fact. also, what's yeah. your readership? Mm. How many readership do you have in America? I totally get it. Mm. Like, at that time, every vote counts. And why do they want to care about foreign policy or foreign readers? Yeah, right?
2: yeah. But that might be a little bit different after the campaign is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about aside from the White House um, and presidential politics, do you get to cover other aspects of American life and
1: current events. events?
0: Political life. Um, I cover a lot of rally now, protest now, <laughs> actually, <laughs> and uh, that's
1: got to be something that the Chinese audiences are interested in, yeah
0: yes surprisingly um you know i i have a lot of discussion with my editor like how to cover the rally and uh for 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 american reporter or western journalist they might cover the rally about the the protest itself planned parenthood climate change um earth day but for chinese reader they might be more interested about how can people go on the street how do they organize it and uh what's the atmosphere like when people are protesting on the street? Is it going... To change anything, and will police arrest them? And why can we see all all these kids and almost a family, um, family friendly environment in this protest? So that is a very different angle I will cover when I'm covering. Yeah, that
1: must really look very strange to to a Chinese audience. Family protests, people bringing their Their kids, other kids wearing pussy hats, yeah, Yeah. that's awesome though,
2: (laughs) America, man. Yeah, I mean, there's some very nice things about democracy. (laughs) I, I. I always found it uh,
0: fascinating when looking, you know, like producing things and then posing on Weibo, and then see how Chinese people look at it differently. Like what I look, because yeah. I I already take it for granted. Like this is just what happened. You can go on the street; everyone can have their voice.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I've been saving this for this topic of discussion, but this is what I'm really. I, I as you know, I mean, I wrote that big piece uh, early on in, in November, before the, before the election, about what about Chinese. Uh, Chinese Americans specifically uh, supporting Trump, but let's ask about Chinese people. Your readership, why you you mentioned that there's a lot of support, and and some of it is sort of because it's a shit show, because it's interesting, because it's funny. Because um, some of them, you know, want to sort of see democracy fall on its face. But there are other people in China who really do seem to to embrace his ideas you know who uh, who are rebelling against political correctness or whatever uh what what do you what do you think are the reasons why so many chinese seem to be so vocal in their support for donald trump
0: um i think you're talking more about like chinese american no no, no, no i'm talking
1: about chinese chinese yeah Mm. Because you know yeah. a lot of your readers are you know in China, and if you look on like on Zhihu and sites like that, I mean it's just rabid. There are so many people who are so vocal right. in their support for Trump.
0: Right. I I think um, first thing is they didn't really see Trump's you know racism or all this anti-immigrant rhetoric as a thing um, that might be some reason that racism is not really a concept in China you know we grow up in a in a There might be difference from different area, but we all kind of look similar. So you don't have this concept. I was just talking to Kaiser about this commercial came up several years ago in China about a washer. You put a black man in
1: the the washing machine, and it comes out white. It comes out Chinese. They're just like, why not? (laughs) (laughs) This Korean pop star,
0: (laughs) (laughs) right? Um, That's one thing, and the other is, I found um, they they kind of believe that you. Why are we supporting this illegal immigrant? Whenever I talk to this Chinese supporter for Trump, they're like, they're lazy, they're lazy, um, they're wasting our social affair, and why are we, our government paying money to support them? So in that uh, point of view, they kind of echo with Trump's rhetoric.
1: These are are Americans, though. I mean, this obviously doesn't affect Chinese people sitting in in Beijing or Shanghai, right? mm -hmm. So, but why would they get behind this? I mean, I think you put your finger on a big reason, which is just the sort of, hey, you know, finally I can let all my racism out and not be judged so harshly, right?
0: Right, Uh, right.
1: But
2: yeah and the, the trump racism i think is also the right kind of racism for china uh if you know what i mean right, i mean so, so the yeah. the anti-muslim rhetoric i mean th- that uh, right. seems to be you know a, a, an increasingly alarming feature of of chinese media and chinese social media is um you chinese know, social media for sure yeah. islamophobia
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah yes um yeah i mean the official media is very i um, mean is very careful to 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 try to tamp it down but yeah, but yeah, it's social, it's social media. media absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of social media, social media must have really changed the whole way, not only that you report, but also the way that your news is received and the way that, you know, you do your job, right? Mm-hmm. You want to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about, about that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I I I think, you know, I started my journalism career eight years ago from working in a, you know, relatively traditional media as uh, magazine article writer. Um, we do very traditional journalist stuff, interview people and go back and write about stuff. And, but, you know, at that time, um, Weibo is barely a thing. And, uh, Facebook is a new concept in Asia. Um, but now in this five year maybe, like it's just changed dramatically. And it's also changed what a rural journalist is, I think. Um, for example, I found myself pay more attention to um, how to engage with my reader and how to interact with my reader and how what kind of information they're willing to know on social media. And also the way we present are also different now because it's not just like weekly magazine. They are looking for to see some Back, scene, um, behind the scene photo you post on on social media. They want to see a more approachable, a more accessible, a friend like um, journalism reader dynamic.
1: Oh, right, 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 right. So yeah. I'm buddies with this journalist. She's taking behind the scenes at the at the White House, and right.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like the whole now how the whole big blog thing is coming up, and people maybe trust the blogger more than they trust a a, a actual, magazine, yeah, yeah, journalist. yeah. Because they want to know it's a real people has a real opinion and in real life.
1: Hmm. I mean, in in your time so far in all these meetings, have you you put your hand up a lot? Did you have you been called on? Have you asked many questions yet so far?
0: I got asked question the first press briefing oh the very during, first press briefing yeah wow what did yeah. you get to ask well i was asking about withdrawing from tpp oh interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah and um he gave a very very vague answer was
2: that, that before trump had actually said whatever he said about well i he mean
0: said,
1: he'd said it all along on the campaign trail i mean there was no question that's but, the right. day
0: he signed the executive order ah. to withdraw from tpp
1: yeah that's what i'm talking about the yeah, executive yeah, yeah. order yeah. so so it had already been signed when
0: you exactly. asked the question yeah okay. that's the day and the
1: answer was vague and that's yes. the the historians will remember when the United States ceded leadership to China. Yeah, the, the I, I think that's uh,
2: many people are of that opinion. <laughs> um, so, w- what are the? Do you think is the most popular uh, story that you've you've done from the United States for
1: for Cena?
0: Most popular one.
1: Yeah, you probably have some kinds of like feedback on or, the a, few, you know, yeah, or, yeah, or a few traffic. Yeah, just have the most popular.
0: Um, I would say the. F- the most popular one was when I first discovered this Chinese-American for Trump group uh-huh. from oh, the very yeah, beginning. Yeah. Um,
1: What's that guy's name?
0: Tian Tian. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that was during the primary. And, uh, you know, Trump is not a thing yet. And uh, But I'm very interested in who's supporting him. And I'm like, maybe instead of writing people support him, I should write about Chinese people who support him. And so, you know, through some relative, they were like, okay, this WeChat group are some of people They are like secretly talk about it, because at that time, people are afraid of talking about they are Trump supporter. So I joined that group, and uh, I kind of see how they form and put together, they have like this vision, we're going to have um, LA chapter, Austin chapter. And at that time, I was almost like, okay, this is funny. But then you just kind of see it how it being happened, funny, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the end, this this guy who started this group are on Trump's AAPI advisor uh team.
1: Oh, god, yeah, <laughs> yeah, unbelievable.
0: <laughs> with with um, Zhao Xiaolan, oh, he's also god. on the team yeah, too, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Elaine Zhao, Elaine <laughs> yeah. Zhao, right, right. Yeah. Well, oh, wow. but I, uh, it's, it's, uh, that's that guy's not even a citizen, right? Or he's.
0: He's a green car holder. He's a green
1: card holder. But, yeah. but
0: to back, back to your question, I think, um, Chinese, chi- that, why is that the most hit, um, article? Not only that is the, the, the story that Chinese audience are interested in. It's also like translated to a lot of American news outlet about what is going on there. So well, I think for Chinese reader, they're interested in also interesting in what Chinese people are doing here.
1: Right, right. Jeremy, I mean, that accords with our our stats, right? I mean, I wrote that piece about why Chinese Americans are supporting Trump. Still one of the most popular uh, things on (laughs) our side.
0: Everyone still still gets hits every day. Yeah, I remember you talking about it.
2: It's crazy.
1: It it is a
2: subject of endless fascination. Chinese people and Trump. (laughs) So we we asked about how social media has has changed your work as a journalist, but uh, more specifically, uh, WeChat has changed social media in China. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, although Weibo has has made a comeback, I think, you know, it has once again become something of a public square or perhaps always was, um, you know, but after the the takedown of the big V's Mm -hmm. uh, and the the government squeezing and clamping down essentially on, on the vigorous debate that was on on, on weibo it has it has come back a little bit after a, a period of being much uh less interesting but nonetheless i think a lot of the uh discussions that used to be in public on on weibo are now uh, in closed wechat groups uh, mm-hmm. do you think this is the case and if so you know w- w- what would you say the the effect on public debate has been in china of wechat it, it is
0: it is i i I believe WeChat and Weibo are going to a different... Well, I can't speak for my company, but I can see this is going to a different way while um, Weibo is more like just providing news and more uh, fast-breaking news or, you know, uh, live streaming platform. WeChat create this little kind of private group that you can have discussion there. So, you know, you you can... Um, only if you're a friend with each other, you can see each other's post, right? Um, I, I remember someone say it's kind of like a KTV kind of thing. You can be in there and with your friends and with people that um, care about this issue and talk about it. Um I think Chinese government prefer that better because it's easier to control what kind of information is going out there instead of putting something out on Weibo, which can be like virusly go out anywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's much more easy to control. What about the reaction in
2: Taiwan to your employment at a, you know, it's not state owned, but it's a mainland owned uh, media operation. Mm hmm. Are, do people give you
1: grief about working for this enemy <laughs> state?
0: Um, well, in the beginning, when I started working for Chinese media, people, well, my friend, my college friend, will laugh at me and like, uh, you work for the enemy, you're, uh, you're, you're only earning renminbi and traitor or something, just
1: making <laughs> fun.
0: But you know what? Like, reason ear more and more Taiwanese are working for a Chinese company now. And, uh, I can see like a lot of my friends, especially working in finance sector, working in Shanghai or in Hong Kong, there's less opportunity in Taiwan now. And, uh, I think people are start to see that trend. And, um, there is an anxiety from younger generation for sure in Taiwan about how it will brought us to, like how we are more rely or depend on China, there's more opportunity out there. While in Taiwan, even though more people want to be independent, their own country, we're highly economically reliant on the enemy across the street. (laughs)
1: your compatriots across the yeah. street.
2: So I, it is an interesting sort of uh, conflict, I suppose, because, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there is this strengthening I- Taiwanese identity right. where well, younger people just don't think of themselves as Chinese at all. They're Taiwanese. Right. right. But the money's in Shanghai. Right. 自然读, <laughs> so it, uh, 天然读.
0: 要天然读,
1: 天然读, yeah,
0: that, that, that is a very, um, interesting concept. Cause when I think about it from my generation, you know, like millennial in Taiwan, we start to have this whole new history book. The history book was only talk, talk about Taiwan focused history.
1: Starting from, starting from,
0: yeah, 16th centuries. And, um, also our geography class, we only talk about Taiwan first. Taipei, Taichung, and the river. While when, if you ask my parents, they're learning about Changjiang, uh, Yellow yeah, yeah. yeah. They know every railroad. They need to memorize railroad in China too. Because
1: <laughs> strategic railroad heads. Yes. common here when they take in back their the mainland.
0: S-A-T, yes. So they need to memorize that. She can even like memorize that to me. And I found it fascinating. And then I also found how education and history can change the whole generation and the whole Wow, just the,
1: yeah, right overnight. Memory. And that that actually was just only instituted when Chen Shui Bian took the presidency, right?
0: When I was in when I was in junior high, that was Li Denghui.
1: Oh, Li Denghui. Oh, Denhui. so even before, yeah, I was yeah. Back in so he,
0: uh, we call it um, education reform, gai oh, at okay. that time. So because of this Jiaogai, it create a new term, a new generation called Tian they are naturally independent, think Taiwan as their own country, not Chinese.
1: So you must read a lot of the Taiwan media coverage about what's happening in in the Trump White House. How does that differ? I mean, the priorities must be very different. I mean, they they have a tremendous anxiety about, you know, Trump and uh, using Taiwan as a so, sort of a bargaining, a, a chip. bargaining chip, right? right. Yes. There must be much
0: more about that, yeah? Yeah, yeah. You know, this time in in um, Xi Jinping and uh, Trump's meeting, Mars Largo, a lot of Chinese reporters here didn't go. Because we know there's nothing to cover. But all the Taiwanese reporter interesting, I know went there. They are there Even even Chinese, uh, Taiwanese news outlets send reporters from Taiwan to Marcelargo because they are afraid there might be some other agreement they're going to sign between U.S taiwan china relation
1: so they were very grateful that he attacked syria that night so nothing could actually
0: happen. <laughs> well, i won't call it grateful but it's, uh, right. it's a tragedy
1: well, well wonderful so grateful that uh for i mean i'm grateful that you could make the time to talk to us yeah. um uh, best you. of luck in your reporting we're really I you mean, know, it's it's a fascinating topic we're going to continue to watch what you're doing uh join us with a recommendation for our listeners won't you yeah okay so before we get to recommendations i want to remind yeah. our listeners that the Seneca podcast is powered by SupChina out the app and subscribe to the newsletter at subchina.com you can follow subchina on twitter at, at subchina news and on facebook at facebook.com slash SubChina News. And if you like our podcast, by all means, leave us a positive review on the Apple iTunes Store or on Google Play or wherever it is that you go to review apps. This really helps, and it means a lot to us. Onward, on to recommendations. Jeremy Goldcorn. what have ye for us today?
2: I've got two, because I think the first one may have been on the show before. I was in New York last night and had uh, a great meal from uh, Mala Jihua, the Mala Project, uh, which is a, a kind of new style uh, Sichuan food, but it's proper Chinese food as Chinese people like to eat it. It's very, if you like, uh, you know, very Wait, spicy. What is the name of the restaurant? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ma Jihua. is Chinese. Um. Ma Project in English. It's in the Lower East Side. Um, oh. And you That's can like get it delivered,
1: Jihua. which is what I, I had plan- last just, night. <laughs> oh, you had it delivered? Yeah. <laughs> you ordered out, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Was it like some guy riding on an electric scooter with a box on the back? No. no. no.
0: That would be very outstanding. So no. no. yeah. I didn't
2: see if he had a scooter, but he looked like he should have had a dirty Beijing electric scooter, for sure. Oh, awesome, awesome. So, yeah, that's that's uh, definitely one of my favorite restaurants in New York. Um, the other recommendation I've got, uh, which is kind of on topic, is uh, there's a Twitter account called uh, Burned Your Tweet. And some very clever and very twisted fellow has uh, coded uh, a computer to uh, basically every time Donald Trump tweets, it um, uh, prints it out uh, and a robot uh, then basically incinerates. It's the printed out tweet. And it's uh, along with, um, you know, large doses of Xanax and Valium and the five calls app, um, which you can use to call up, you know, your local representative and complain. It's one of the things keeping me sane in these
1: dark days. I've got one though, to, to keep us help stay in these dark days, too. But let's let Jane go first. Jazia, what do you have for us? Oh,
0: um, actually, you know, I. Uh, after I start covering Trump White House, well, I hope my parents didn't hear about it. Um, I consume more alcohol than of course I should. You did. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: that's natural. I think they'll you understand. Know,
0: especially on the weekend. I actually talked to a, a, a friend who worked for a wine company and he said the, the wine demand was surging uh, in DC area. It
2: must be. I yeah. bet. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So there was this bar called Showtime in D.C., and uh, I my friend took me there when I just start covering the White House. I remember it was January, and there is a band playing. Every Sunday night, I believe it's seven thirty. It's called Grannies and the Boy.
1: Granny and the Boy, sorry. And
0: um, uh, the keyboard is a eighty four year old grandma. Oh wow! And uh, her story is fascinating. So her 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 husband died, and she took the class in Maryland University and met this drummer. Who she's dating now Around 60 something And then they join the band And then now they just become A regular band In Showtime right now So if you're interested in Sunday Night 7
1: What style of music is it?
0: They play a kind of They're funk They're indie You know Wow
1: 84 year old indie (laughs) Yeah (laughs) And they have
0: really really cheap combo $5 whiskey with a beer Oh (laughs) Grinding rocking and whisking. That sounds yeah. good. <laughs> is it
1: what is it in Adams Morgan? Or no, insurance? um Shaw. Okay. In Xiao. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to check that out. Well, I promised I would I have a recommendation that'll also help us get through the Trump presidency. Uh but I, this is probably kind of generic by now, but um Hulu has just launched uh the famous Margaret Atwood book, The Handmaid Sale, their their television rendering of it. Uh it's really good. I've, I've seen the first three episodes of it and it's, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. I mean, I, I read the book ages ago and it's, it's quite faithful. Um, of course, you know, they, it's, it's updated. There are references now to the, the kind of pre lapsarian world where you have like, you know, it, it talks about Tinder and things like that, but, but, and that wasn't in Margaret Atwood, but it's, it's sort of an updated, uh, but all you know, highly, uh, everyone says it's a lot of cliche. How how like strangely relevant it is now? Yeah,
2: I thought you were going to recommend some light entertainment to take our minds off the no, dark no, no, days no, no, instead no. of a documentary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> was that? My favorite science is make make Margaret Atwood fiction again. <laughs> oh, that uh, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Jane. It was a real pleasure to have you in. Thank uh, you. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll hopefully have you back on the show again before too terribly long. Jeremy, as always, good to see you. Likewise. All right, onwards. Uh, the Seneca Podcast is powered by SupChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Jeremy Goldcorn. Thanks to An La Chang and Sarai Darabi from SupChina. Drop us an email at Seneca at subchina.com. Visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Seneca Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Seneca Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Take care.